This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 549, Comic Reviews for the week of Wednesday, January the 31st. Welcome to the Comic Shenanigans podcast. I'm your host, Adam Chapman. This is episode 549. It's our Comic Reviews episode for the week of Wednesday, uh, January the 31st, uh, otherwise known as a comically late episode, as it's uh, February 11th as I record this. So uh, these books are already so far in the rearview mirror, you're going to forget they even came out. Um, but uh, the Comic Shenanigans podcast has had a bit of an issue with uh, scheduling as of late, so we're trying to write the ship. I thought uh, last week, I think we had three episodes up in three days, and I was like, okay, we're, we're almost back on target. Uh, we had a reviews episode this reviews episode I was going to record last Monday and then just you know it feels like life just consistently and always intervenes and it just wasn't uh, something I was able to do um, so by the time I had a chance to do it it's February 11th so these books are, have already been out 11 days almost two weeks already so uh, we'll do a, a little bit of a, an abbreviated episode we'll kind of run through it quickly I have a lot more to talk about but um, going to keep the episode short regardless um, so first up the books I will not be chatting about um, that came out on January 31st include some of the following um, on, excuse me, Only Wolverine number 30, Amazing Spider-Man Renew Your Vows number 15, uh, Avengers 678, um, let's see, Black Panther Along with the King, Captain Marvel 128, Deathstroke Annual, Defenders, Despicable Deadpool, Jessica Jones, Moon Girl and Double Dinosaur, Old Man Logan, uh, Punisher, Spider-Gwen, Star Wars DJ Most Wanted, Star Wars Dr. Offer number 16, Tales of Suspense 101, and Detective Comics Annual number 1. So what did I get a chance to read? Well, that's a good question after all those books. Uh, first and uh, alphabetically, we have uh, Ben Riley's Scarlet Spider, number 13, uh, which um, I enjoyed overall. It, the, the book is still a strange one. It's written by Peter David, artwork by Will Sliney. Or Will Sliney. I do like the art. Uh, I like that he's back on it. There was a, one issue that he didn't do, and it was very awkward looking. Um, I love that the slingers are here. I still think it's weird that Cyber is uh, the one being Hornet, just because from a physical standpoint... Those characters could not be different, uh, more different in terms of their physicality. Cyber was always kind of a large, more intimidating character, whereas Hornet was a character who was just kind of a, a dude wearing this cool costume. Um, so that part was a little weird. Otherwise, I like the what's going on here. I like the, that they use the black marble. Um, but it's interesting, too, that if you're a fan of the, kind of the Slingers, they don't really go that deep on it. Um, but it's cool just to kind of see them here. It's also interesting to see Ben and Kane kind of teaming up and, and working together. Um, I the creative way of getting rid of the black marble I thought was actually pretty uh, pretty cool. Um, it felt very Peter David, and I'm interested as well. Um, I'm interested what Mysterio could want to talk about with with regards to Dusk and uh, Scarlet Spider. So I'm intrigued where that's going to go. Um, yeah, no, I, I thought this was pretty cool, and I liked how it went, and uh, I like how the characters are being developed, and I'm excited to see where we go. Again, I I still don't know what the book is. Um, it, you know, it's, it's it's a year in, and I I really couldn't tell you what Ben Riley's Card Spider really is about half the time. I all I could tell you is that I'm enjoying it. It's been an enjoyable book. Uh, I just don't always know what it is. Um, I, I would give this a, a, an eight. Um, I kind of went back and forth, seven and an eight, but I'll give it an eight. Uh, next up is uh, Dark Knight's Metal. This is issue number five. Uh, this is written by Scott Snyder, artwork by Greg Capullo. And then um, I'm not a huge fan. I felt, I, you know what? I, I feel like I read reviews and people are really loving it. And like, I'm not really liking the way, like, I mean, let's just look at this issue. The, the stuff with Hawkman's kind of weird. Um, having the team up with uh, Clark and Bruce, with Bruce kind of like dying. I don't know if I really like that either. Uh, I like the parts with Diana and going up against, um, was it Black Adam? I thought that was kind of cool because um, that 
again, it was just a kind of an interesting take. Um, but what the, the, the what the Batman who laughs did to Diana, I don't know if really bought that. The way he, the ease and with with which he did it, um, the interplay between Deathstroke and, and Aquaman just feels off. Uh, that being said, even the interplay between Black Mana and, and uh, Aquaman feels off. Um, at times, the characterization just doesn't quite feel there. Um, this wants to be, you know, telling a really big universal multiversal story, and I just don't always feel like it's really succeeding. Um, and even like the end of the issue didn't really feel like a, a satisfactory kind of end. Um, it's just not working for me. Um, the art by Capullo is pretty good, although at times I feel like it's not his strongest work. I, I'm going to give this like a five. Like it's just, it just feels kind of muddled and feels a bit like a mess. Like I feel like it's trying to do all these crazy things. I don't know which think it's earned. I don't know which think it's that interesting. And I don't know. It's just, it just hasn't managed to really keep me. Uh, next up, we have Falcon number four. This is written by Rodney Barnes with artwork by Joshua Kassara. Uh, I actually really dug this. Uh, I like the art. Um, I like the storytelling. Um, you have the two-gun kid and you have Falcon in the kind of the, the realm of the dead I thought was really cool. Um, seeing Hellstrom and um, uh, Brother Voodoo kind of hanging out was cool. I, I think the whole storyline was actually really interesting. and It's, it's pushing Falcon and I also like seeing uh, Patriot and the other Falcon teaming up as well. I just thought this was a lot of fun. I'm, I'm liking how the uh, how these characters are working together, and I like that it's kind of different and you know starting to kind of create more of a Falcon um, support group and supporting cast. I thought this was a lot of fun uh, for the most part. I'm going to give it a I'm going to give it a I give it a seven. It was it was a solid book. Uh, next up is Incredible Hulk seven twelve. Which is, it's got uh, the unworthy Thor or Odinson up against the Hulk. It's written by Greg Pak, um, penciled by Greg Land. This is Return to Planet Hulk Part Four, um, and it's okay. I'm, I'm just, it just doesn't. It, it's missing something, and I'm not really sure what it is. I do like the concept of uh, Amadeus and Hulk kind of fighting for control. That's an interesting concept because it's not usually something we've seen with Amadeus himself. Um, but everything else just kind of feels like a, you know a retread. It doesn't feel that new. Um, the Legacy Initiative, you know, it's supposed to kind of play off on old themes or old characters, but it shouldn't feel like the same thing. And this feels like it's not, I don't even know, like, it, it feels alien in some ways because this Sakaar just doesn't feel like the Sakaar I remember, but it just feels almost too different. Um, and it feels like it should have more of the remnants because it hasn't been that long. Like, honest to God, like, even in Marvel time where everything kind of slides all over the place, but it hasn't been that long since Planet Hulk happened. That It's kind of like... You know, in the first uh, Israel, in uh, Star Wars A New Hope, and you have Han Solo talking about how, you know, the Jedi and the Force, and it's all like a hokey religion. I'm like, no, it's actually within your lifetime. Like, if Luke's, like, what, 18? Uh, Han is obviously older than that. So within his lifetime, it was considered to be an actual thing until everyone was executed. So it's just it's one of those things where it, it, it reads really well when you read watch A New Hope because it, it has this idea that not everyone believes in this thing but if you do believe in this thing it could be this wonderful you know thing this wonderful power source to really tap into to have all these abilities and then when you go back and you realize well wait a minute wait a minute like why does he say that like th- there's no reason for him to have had those things you know those thoughts or so that's where it kind of makes you wonder that's how I feel about this here is that it's trying and at least with Star Wars it's the benefit like it I don't know. There's something about it somehow allows it to work better. But here, like, I read Planet Hulk 10 years ago. I know that Marvel Time doesn't work like that. But the way that they've, all that they've done with that character and coming back from Sakaar and his own son and everything like that, you know, not that much time has passed that 
people should not, you know, remember anything about the green scar or we're talking about it. Like, it just always, it feels weird. And the storyline, again, it just feels like we're getting a rehash of things we've had in the past. Um, even, you know, the Hulk and uh, Amadeus trying to, you know, kind of jostle with who's going to have control, that's been done before. Like, I just feel like there's not a lot of really new stuff here. Um, it just feels more like it's played out, stuff we've seen before. And I just want new stuff. And it's I'm not getting that here. And it just feels like I'm seeing like a kind of a badly Xerox copy of a really great story. It's still good, but it's not it's not the original. It's not the same. Um, it's not, and I don't know if it really achieves on its own levels. Greg Pak is doing a great job generally with all, the all new uh, sorry whatever they call them the the awesome Hulk. Um, and it just just feels like by trying to steer it in a more regular Hulk direction, maybe it's losing something about what made Amadeus so different and cool as the Hulk. Um, I'm going to give it a six. Next up is Invincible Iron Man 596, um, which, again, this series continues to be not sure what it wants to be. At least that's the way it feels. Um, you know, it's The Search for Stony Stark Part 4. It's written by Brian Michael Bendis, artwork by Stefano Caselli and Alex Maleev. So you have Caselli doing the parts with uh, Riri, and, um, you know, which I felt like it felt like it was a slightly different tone than we got in the other uh, book. Um, or sorry, the last issue, I should say. Then you have, you know, Doom going up against the Hood, who, if I never see the Hood again, it'll be too soon, just because he got so overexposed because Bendis used him in everything. Uh, he's not even a Bendis character. You'd almost think he was. Uh, you have Doom dealing with that, and uh, then you have the idea of um, um, Tony, you know, his dad visits him in his kind of, wherever he is in his mind, and, uh, you know, it, it just feels like there's a lot of things going on here, but uh, it feels like this series doesn't know what it wants to be. Like, you know, each issue is basically three three plot lines. You have MJ and Tony's mom trying, and everyone else trying, and I guess the AI trying to find Tony. They find like where they think the body was, but now he's he's not there, and they don't know where he is. You also have Riri dealing with her own stuff, and suddenly Blade shows up, and I don't even know where. Like that actually makes me interested because I was like. What the hell's Blade doing here? That is cool. Like that's one of those things that's unexpected. So Bendis has my attention. And then you have the storyline with um, with the Hood and, and Doctor Doom, which again I guess moves along that storyline. But Malieve does not feel like maybe he's the right artist for that, and uh, it just doesn't kind of look right as a result. Um, but yeah, it feels like you know we're getting three stories, and one of them, you know, I would say in this one, none of them really held my attention, but the finale to Riri's did because you have Blade showing up. That was cool, but everything else kind of felt like a bit of a, bit of a hodgepodge. So I'm going to give that a six. Uh, next up is Jean Grey number eleven, which technically maybe I should talk about Phoenix Resurrection first. Now nah, I'll, I'll stick with Jean Grey. Um, so this was interesting. Uh, Dennis Hopeless wrote it with Victor Ebenez and Alberto Albuquerque on art. I don't know why Hopeless didn't get the right to return. Like, it just feels weird that he's writing the Jean Grey book, which is all about her about to fight the Phoenix, and then you have the Phoenix Resurrection story coming, and it's written by someone else. Like, I just don't know why. From an editorial perspective, maybe he just wasn't available to write it, but it just felt weird. And even here, this is kind of a crazy issue because there's so much going on. You have magic, uh, fighting a Jean, you know, Everyone's fighting Jean, really. Um, and her trying to kind of figure out and deal with who she is, what the Phoenix is, uh, fighting against all these people who previously had the Phoenix, which is kind of cool. Um, her being kind of trapped in the mind and finally trying to kind of fight the Phoenix and realizing that she's in control. And I actually really like this, and I like the idea that Jean, you know, is kind of like, I'm, I survived, I'm not dead, this is kind of crazy, I'm going to go home. And she goes home, and everyone kind of wants to talk to her. And she's like, I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to talk to you. At the very end, 
bam, her other self is, is there being like, we should probably talk. And all I could think was, how can you end the book here? Like, you have X-Men Red, which, I mean, I've, I've read that first issue, and I don't, as far as I remember, I don't think her, uh, G- young Jean and old Jean have a conversation. But you can't leave this book on the fact that old Jean is going is, you know, to have a conversation with young Jean. That's pretty cool. Like, that could be a moment in and of itself. And then, no, let's just end. Like, that's, um, I, uh, I've said this in the past, I think, on the, about how you do things poorly in finales. Not that this is poor, just I don't know why he didn't, maybe they didn't get him, let him have the space to have the story, but, or because her resurrection's in another book, but it just felt weird that we're not getting a one-shot all about the two genes having a conversation. And maybe there is one that's coming out and I just didn't realize it, but it kind of made me think of Star Trek Voyager, because you spend seven years wondering, well, how is this going to work? And they get home, and all the changes that have happened on the, on, on the, on the ship, and integrating the Maquis, and all the changes in seven years in technology, and all this cool stuff, and yet they get there and they're like let's go home and that's it and you don't get to see anything you don't get to see the you know the reaction um to any of the characters um returning like does anyone get promoted does everyone get to be stay in starfleet like there's nothing and after seven years you kind of want more of a payoff than let's go home like we're finally here i'm like fuck come on really and that's kind of what this felt like no not nearly as maddening because this is still a very good issue um it's got some really good artwork too i just felt that at the last end there i you can't just leave us with this you can't leave us with oh these two genes are gonna have a conversation but we're not going to show you what it is like i i just could not believe that that's how they ended it i'm still going to give the issue a date because i liked it but i just could not believe that uh next up is moon knight 191 this is written by who did write this max bemis and penciled by uh, jason burrows i actually thought this was fantastic i thought burrows art was really good very clean um you know, got the job done very well. It was very effective. I love the art, and the story continues to be creepy and haunting, uh, but really interesting and really putting Mark Spector in a different place where, you know, for years it's just kind of in his own mind and how he's crazy, but now, like, the ones he's loved are really coming home, are really in danger, and the fact that he's a daughter now is really kind of cool. It really takes legacy to a, a different um, level in terms of what we think of it as. Like, Marvel Legacy, everyone's kind of thinking about legacy of the characters, etc., and their history, but legacy can also mean other things like having a child, and that's where they're kind of pushing a Moon Knight here. Um, so I thought that was really cool. I'm going to give it an 8. Uh, next up is Phoenix Resurrection, the Return of Jean Grey, number 5. Uh, this is 5 of 5. This is written by Rosenberg. Um, let's see. Matthew Rosenberg wrote it. Artwork by Lionel Francis Yu and Joe Bennett. Interesting um, difference in terms of artists. Overall, I liked this. I liked how Jean had her own kind of showdown with the Phoenix. Um, but most of all, what I really liked this was uh, Scott returning from the dead, even briefly. And Gene being able to know that it's not just a trick, it's really him, and them being together, and Scott being like, I didn't think I'd ever see you again. He's like, She's like, take off your visor. He, he doesn't think he can. And this is like a classic kind of Phoenix thing with, with, with Scott, right? So he's, he opens his eyes, and she's holding back his, his, um, his blast, and she's like, you know, he's just like, I missed you so much. I missed you too. I thought about you every single day. They have this kiss. And he goes, I'm sorry, Gene, for everything, for what happened to you, what happened to us. I'm, and she's like, I know. I'm very sorry, Scott. And then uh, he's like, she's like, it's not supposed to be like this. I can't let. And he's like, I know. And then now this is really seriously tragic and sad where she just looks at him and says, we were better off dead. And he's like, I'll always love you, Jean Grey. I'll always love you too, Scott Summers. And then he just dies in her arms. And it is so tragic. And that, um, see, that's an emotional payoff that his actual death did not have. Um, You know, the fact that we got to have these two characters start, you know, 
who were together. Like for a lot of people who started reading, like I started reading comics, you know, as I said before, in the early '90s. Like Scott and Jean were a team; they were a couple. Like they were the love couple, you know. Like I didn't really. It wasn't until I went back and understood about Madeline, and then even in the early '90s when they kind of had his weird flirtation with Psylocke, like it was still Jean. It was still Scott and Jean. Well, they killed off Jean. I remember being really upset about it when they first had him kind of messing around with Emma Frost. I really didn't like it. Over time, they did some really interesting things with those characters being together, and the fact that Gene kind of, from the future, kind of pushed him into doing something, into moving on, was always very interesting. But being able to see Scott and Gene actually together again, um, it's tragic and sad. And there's, yeah, it was just, it, that was in a, a nice and emotional moment. And it was also here where, you know, the Phoenix is kind of trying to barter and, and, and beg Jean and seeing what she's looked like at different points of her history was actually quite interesting as well. And, um, yeah, I, I just thought this was really interesting and, and sad. And, you know, it ends with, you know, Jean, uh, Scott's body just, like, lying there and everyone's kind of around her. And they're just like, welcome home, Jean. Like, which, which I got to say was a weird moment because you have Beast saying welcome home Jane which should be a happy thing but she just dealt with like the Phoenix finally leaving her alone Scott's dead in front of her she forgot to say goodbye to her like you know true love it's tragic and yet that welcome home Jane just didn't quite jive for me otherwise I thought the issue was pretty strong as a whole as a miniseries I don't know if it always worked but I thought the last chapter definitely was interesting and uh, last but not least we have the Flash annual number one and um this is an interesting beginning um, to the Flash War. This is the prelude to the Flash War. Um, we got to see a lot of characters being introduced and used here. Some we've seen recently, some we haven't. Um, like we have the uh, with the Renegades from the future that we saw a while ago now. Um, we see that the person kind of leading them uh, is maybe not who we expected. It's Hunter Zolomon. Um, that's really cool. Uh, this is written by Joshua Williamson. It's artwork by Howard Porter and Christian Duce. I'm excited to see how Porter, sorry, not Porter, how um, Hunter Zolomon's even around, just because I don't even know how that should be possible. Um, I love that Howard Porter was the one doing the artist art, too, because obviously he's done some great Flash work in the past, especially with Zoom. Um, yeah, this was this was pretty cool. It was a pretty good start. Um, I like the idea that, you know, we're really kind of focusing on the different characters, but especially Wally really gets a lot of focus here, and him trying to deal with his life kind of being messed up, and, you know, he leads to Magenta, Magenta or Magenta kind of coming back into full force for a moment. I'm going to give it an 8. I thought it was a solid, uh, a solid issue. It was a lot of fun to kind of see where they're going to go with this, and I'm excited to read more. Uh, next week, I'll be chatting about books that came out on... And by next week, I mean in, like, hopefully two to three days. Uh, books that came out February 7th, including Avengers, Amazing Spider-Man, Daredevil, X-Men Red. Uh, what else came out February 7th? Uh, Batman White Knight, Bane Conquest, uh, Batman, Black Lightning, Cold Dead Hands, which has been pretty good so far. Uh, Green Lanterns, Hawkeye, Infinity Countdown, uh, Adam Warlock, Iron Fist, Rogan Gambit, The Rise of the Black Panther... Uh, Nightwing, She-Hulk, Spider-Man, uh, Star Wars, Superman, Swamp Thing Winter Special, which I've heard amazing things about, and I think it's huge. Uh, Venom, X-Men Gold, and Young Monsters in Love. Um, so hopefully I'll be chatting about some of those books in our next episode. You can rate and review us on iTunes, subscribe to us on iTunes, and also listen to us on Stitcher. Uh, please email me at Adam, sorry, not Adam, uh, comicshenanigans at gmail.com. Uh, thank you for listening. Um, I guess episode 552 is going to be our conversation on the upcoming Black Panther movie, and by then it will be the released Black Panther movie. Um, 
We're, so we'll have hopefully two episodes coming out in the next couple of days, and then episode uh, 552 will come out on Friday or Saturday. So some good stuff to look forward to. So thanks you, thank you very much for listening to this episode, and we'll catch you next time. Bye-bye.